This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Jimmy Ott and Jonathan Von Tobel here in a Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Dave VT, how you doing, my man? I'm good. Uh, I'm out visiting the in-laws. Uh, it's uh, out, like, like 45 minutes uh, north of Fresno, California, so I'm a little bit out in the boonies. I actually got to go to the airport soon, and it's it's like a 45-minute drive to civilization. So, Do the in-laws uh, defer? Well. Do they defer? Just throw you to remote control, or how how's that work? Or you oh yeah, hundred percent. Yep. When I come <laughs> out here, it's always like, hey, whatever you want to watch, use the thing. You know, do whatever you need to do. So uh, I absolutely love them, and uh, they, uh, my mother in law is a fantastic cook. So that's the best part about it. Oh, dude, you, 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 hey, hey, do not take it for granted. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's the that's the parlay. You got the uh, yep. in laws parlay working right there. The remote control and great food. Yes, indeed. So two and one last week, JVT. Uh, winning week, uh, two games over 500 for the year, 15, 13, and two. We had whew, to hedge or middle in game or not. And I mean, there were some major collapses the last 30 to 45 minutes of the early slate. Um, and then we throw in Dallas in the uh, afternoon as well. Um, I, I'm a big hedge middle guy. I'm all about profitability and, um, a, a, a standard approach when people ask me because they can't be with me watching every game. But if you got a comfortable lead, you know, 20, 25 to 50% type of hedge. Um, the only one I did hedge, I had Denver. Uh, and they were up, okay. they were uh, outgaining uh, Tennessee 200 to 50. And then here's Tennessee starting to start a little drive right before half, down 10 nothing. I'm like, I've seen this before. Let me hedge on that. Got plus six and a half with Tennessee, if you can imagine that. Wilson looked terrible uh, in the second half. The others, I did not. I mean, Chicago's up 14 on Detroit. I did not. I, I lose that one. Buffalo, we don't have to yeah. go into that uh, again. And then Dallas uh, later in the uh, afternoon slate, where they, um, you know, I mean, what, 195 and one? When they're up uh, two touchdowns uh, in the fourth quarter, what's your philosophy, general approach on if you have a lead and you have a middle slash hedge opportunity? Uh, so I, I always say, like, right, hedging is pretty personal, Jimmy. You know, it depends on how much money you have set to make up and everything like that. It also depends on what you believe your personal edge is in the pre-flop bet that you made. You know, for example, I was actually in on the bills. I laid uh, actually six right when Josh Allen was uh, down, announced to be active because I figured if he's playing, this number uh, look ahead was nine and a half. And so I'll lay under seven with Josh Allen. And sure enough, like you said, they build that lead. And I thought, 
it's the Bills defense. Like, they're not going to blow this thing. They're going to be perfectly fine. And ultimately, they didn't. So, like, in that instance, uh, I, I did not hedge, and I took that on the chin. Uh, but I think it just generally depends on how confident I am, where my edge, I believe, is in on that play, and how much money I stand to make, too. If it's just, like, a general, like, you know, one unit, maybe two unit play on an NFL Sunday, I'll probably not hedge and just try to come out with as much as possible. Uh, but futures, obviously, are where I'll hedge a little bit more and try to make some value. Because, obviously, if you've got a pretty good future, uh, you tend, of course, to have a higher payout that is at stake there and that's where I'll probably stake uh, you know a little bit to bring some back in terms of a guarantee of profit but I think in game for me it's mostly about middles as opposed to hedging and trying to guarantee those profits and you know like you said Chicago last week that was one of the plays that I made with you guys it was a team total over and part of my right. thinking was I, I liked Chicago, but I wasn't sure if their defense would be able to hold on to that lead. And sure enough, their defense wasn't able to hold on to that lead. So I think teams like that, maybe I would look to potentially set up middles or hedge because they are a little bit more volatile. But a team like Buffalo, man, I, I thought they were going to get it. And ultimately, they, they didn't. Yeah, I was all over uh, Buffalo when they announced Allen as well. Yep. I laid five, actually at five, and um, <laughs> still didn't uh, hedge. And that one, although I was like, Oh, when Dalvin Cook busted that run, I'm like, all right, this is in the this is in position for the back door. Uh, I didn't dream that they would have a chance to come back and win. And yes, uh, if you're a little nervous about your outcome, you probably bet a little bit too more that too a little mm -hmm. bit more than you should have. So yes, I think it's a very good point. Just personal. If it's a small bet, no, just just play with it. But I was so gun shy on uh, Sunday night when I had the Chargers plus seven and a half. I'm like, oh, I'm taking San Francisco uh, minus yeah. well, uh, plus one and a half at this point. And well. They had to escape a uh, touchdown to cover the spread in that one. That was a wild game. Let's get to your picks this week and a very interesting game. All of a sudden, Minnesota and Dallas. A lot of people may say that Dallas has is the better team or is the better point spread value. Well, with the line here, they're favored on the road at Minnesota. Minnesota has been outstanding in one-score games this year. A great record. Now Dallas, after that tough loss in you got to wonder, what happened to their defense uh, in the fourth quarter against uh, against Green Bay? Now the Vikings finding ways to win. Winning becomes contagious. The Vikings uh, getting one point at home where their point spread, their home field value is pretty good as well. Yeah, I just think, and look, we're not talking about like a massive move if this thing swings back the other way, but I do think the wrong team's favored here. Like, At what point are we going to start to give Minnesota uh, a little bit more credit? And they're not suffering anything massive in terms of injury. Now, Christian Derrissaw did leave that game against Buffalo. I think it was a concussion. So you want to make sure they have one of their better pass blockers out there. Um, but it didn't seem serious. And I don't think a you know offensive lineman, as valuable as that is against a good pass rush, is not worth swinging this point spread in the favor of the Dallas Cowboys. And the other part of this, Jimmy, is twofold for Dallas. First off, you know, you mentioned that uh, to, that defense for the, the Cowboys, you know, very quietly throughout the year, they've been a below average run defense. And that showed up in a really big way against the Green Bay Packers, well over 200 yards and five yards allowed per carry against Green Bay. Now, last time I checked, Mike, the Vikings can run the ball relatively well, too. Right. So I, I think there's that working in their favor. And the other part, uh, you know, I'm surprised that Dallas has as much respect as they do, given how below average their offense is. In terms of EPA per play, I think they're 17th or 18th in the NFL. Their passing attack is even worse. I think it's like 21st. I I'm just not sure where the market is going here in terms of rating Dallas so high, where, again, home field's really not worth that much. But against a team with one loss who, who has played the games that they have played and played as well as they have and as good as they are in terms of their passing attack, 
to lay even one, one and a half on the road against Minnesota. So I think this is a numbers play for me. I figure that the Vikings will go off as one, one and a half point favorites by the time we get to kickoff. Obviously, if you can find a small plus price, it'd be good on the money line. But I'm going to play Vikings here. I think they're going to go off as a favorite as they rightfully should. Dallas, America's team, that tag is America's public team a lot of years as yep. well. Whenever they're decent, uh, they're going to attract some uh, some money as well. All right, uh, boy, it is Andy Reid and the, uh, I guess, the junior division crew in the AFC West coaching uh, ranks. I yep. mean, it, he has outclassed these guys by a long way. We had no idea how the uh, Josh McDaniels was th- thing was going to work, but I can't see how a quarterback goes backwards when you add a piece like Devontae Adams. I mean, it's just not working with his system with uh, Derek Carr. Denver, Russell Wilson, man, just holding the ball forever. Let it go, Russell. I mean, he took so many sacks, fumbling. It was ugly to watch against a defense in Tennessee who had five starters out, including Jeffrey Simmons. Now they go to uh, Denver. Denver at home, two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Raiders. Yeah, and look, I think really this is just a play against the Raiders. I, I don't understand what the market sees in Las Vegas. Like, go over these last couple of games. You know, I was waiting for that Colts number because it was at six. I was hoping it would get to seven and I could bet it. I didn't even need it to get to seven, right? They, they won that game outright. And, and there's a lot of focus, and rightfully so, on Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr and this offense and how disjointed and inconsistent it has been. And, and that is very much, I think, deserving of attention. And now you get a Denver defense that even with the loss of Bradley Chubb in that trade – has not slowed down in any way, shape, or form. They're still one of the best defenses in the National Football League. So I like that matchup uh, in favor of Denver. But for me, Jimmy, it's about what are the market? Is the market missing how bad this defense is? This Indianapolis Colts team came into this game, and they still are, by the way, dead last in EPA per play offensively. They had over 400 yards and seven yards per play against this Raiders defense. They stink. They, they are not good. Max Crosby is the lone shining thing that they have on that defense, and that is it for the Las Vegas Raiders. And even this Broncos team, which we know has been very inconsistent on offense, when they played in Las Vegas, over six yards per play, had a big chunk plays multiple times in that game. I just don't trust this Raiders defense at all. And for some reason, every single week, the market is so high on Las Vegas. Even here today, right, this opens up three. It's two and a half. Like, so give me the Denver Broncos underneath the key number. They are playing at home. I just think that the market has had this weird relationship with Vegas that I have not understood. They had those three road games where they closed as road favorites, lost all of them outright. That was Tennessee, New Orleans, and Jacksonville. I just think the market's been wrong on this team for a while, and I think I'm just going to continue to kind of go down this path till it blows up. Seems like it's Crosby by himself on defense right now yep. for the Raiders. And my goodness, if Matt Ryan – I mean, is he 30, 31, or 32 in mobility for starting quarterbacks when he rips off a 39-yarder? Man, that's that's a bad sign. Or I even mean, the uh, – was it was it their game? I think it was. The, the touchdown, was it Pittman? Where there's like three defenders in the area and they all just yeah. kind of make terrible tackles and he just walks into the end zone. It was – it's such a bad team defensively. And I, it just it, – that gets lost in the shuffle quite a bit. Their numbers are awful. So funny. I mean, how they overcame more distractions than anybody in the league last year. But then they were, I think they had the league's best record in one-score games. So it's kind of like, what's going to win out here when you add a piece like Adams? And the big wild card was McDaniels. And, you know, uh, help me out with the name as the interim coach, but he's a special teams guy. He's not going to be, yes, he's not going to be offered a head coaching job. But he held that thing together, and I think his leadership skills – were obviously night and day with Josh McDaniels. 
It is. And look, I, I don't have a lot of insight into what happens in the locker room, but the things that I have heard from my own angles when it comes to the way that locker room is being run and what the environment is, it's pretty chaotic at this point right now. And look, we, we've seen kind of a glimpse of it as well, right? I mean, look after that game against the Colts. Derek Carr comes out and starts crying because he thinks that guys aren't giving enough effort. Devontae Adams says the same thing. Josh McDaniels comes out and says, yeah, I don't know what they're talking about. And Mark Davis comes out and says, I love everything's fine. We're going to be good. Like, it's just there's so much disconnect in that locker room. It's so weird. And I, I hate to say it, but McDaniels, what, started 6-0 and as a Denver Broncos head coach and since then only has seven wins. Like, he's he's he, there's a track record of non-success, we'll say, with McDaniels. And again, here, it does not look good. Oof. Uh, a mess, a mess uh, in Las Vegas, uh, to uh, say the least. Uh, how you like your new team? Well, <laughs> there, there. like them for the, a the year. Community <laughs> is down on yeah. the Raiders right now. Let's go to the Big Apple and the Giants. Come off of their bye and they uh, win and cover against Houston. No problem, Detroit. We talked about that wild game at Soldier Field. Boy, that missed extra point. It usually comes back to haunt you. That's how they win it. Uh, uh, Swift, though, uh, St. Brown, they are playing good. It was cold in Soldier Field. It'll be cold in Giants Stadium as well. Uh, Giants are 3-46 and against Detroit. Yeah, so I, look, I checked the weather, and obviously weather has a thing of changing, especially this time of year, right? But it does seem like it's just going to be pretty cold, but clear conditions, kind of like what we saw in Chicago uh, over the weekend for Detroit. So it shouldn't be anything crazy. So I, I played this uh, over the total here when it comes to Detroit and New York. And when you look at Detroit, uh, I think there's really there's no there's no mystery about it, right? We've said this many times. Dead last in terms of EPA per play defensively. Well, second worst secondary in the National Football League. The Raiders have that mantle now in terms of the EPA numbers. Uh, this is now a team that is just in a lot of these games in really high, volatile, high-scoring situations. And, and when you look at the Giants, they have done a lot of good things. And especially offensively, this is the eighth-best passing offense in the NFL from an EPA standpoint. So I'm going to get clear conditions. Uh, I am going to get an offense that can, I think, operate at a pretty high level against one of the worst pass defenses in the National Football League. And, and I get a Lions team that I think, as we have seen, can contribute their own scoring. We saw that against the Chicago Bears. Uh, in this last game in their victory. And you get a New York Giants squad that if you look at their own defensive numbers, the one thing that they've really struggled against uh, has been the run. Sixth worst team in terms of EPA per play defensively against the run. That's how the Lions generate their offense. It is on the ground. So I think even if it gets a little like snowy, maybe, uh, and the wind maybe picks up a little bit, I still think that this might be something that works for a high-scoring affair. Now, 20, 30-mile-an-hour winds, I'll get screwed here, but I don't think that's going to be the case looking at the weather report, so I'll play this over the total. Detroit and over team, uh, no question about it. And they have yep. a couple of their big weapons who have been in and out of the lineup this year, and they're Swift uh, and St. Brown. All right, uh, uh, Minnesota, Denver minus two and a half, uh, Giants, Detroit over 46. But I've got to ask you an NBA nugget before we get out of here. Got I know it. that you're going to the store. Give me a team to kind of back right now that's kind of on the ascend, maybe playing above their point spread value, and a team to fade that maybe is kind of in a funk right now in the association. So I would say the team to, to kind of go against and the market, it's interesting because the market refuses to stop playing them. It's the Dallas Mavericks, Jimmy. They are 0-7-1 against the spread. They have not covered since October 27th. That was a win over the Brooklyn Nets. And, and here's the thing, those eight games that I'm talking about, they're laying on average 6.8 points per game. The market loves them. They close as a favorite in every single one of those games, uh, and yet they have failed to cover. And it's not like they're bad, right? Like they're 5-3 and three straight up in those games, but they only have a plus 0.9 net rating. They, they are really reliant 
reliant on Luka Doncic to generate everything offensively for them. And that's been a very big problem. When he's on the floor, offensive rating of over 117. When he's off the floor, offensive rating of under 109. It's a massive chasm with the way they've operated offensively. So I think really, like even a game like uh, today on Tuesday, when you're looking at the number, they're laying seven against the Clippers team that, yes, is on the second leg of a back-to-back, but by all indications, they're going to be at full strength uh, outside of Kawhi Leonard. So I think that's something that the market's been a little high on, a little wrong on, and they have not been delivering. So that's something to look at. And as far as a team to bet on, look, I'm going to say this. I think Jacques Vaughn has pushed all the right buttons. The Brooklyn Nets, very quietly, Jimmy, since Steve Nash has been fired, they lead the league. Not in offensive efficiency, but defensive efficiency. They're only giving up 100, yeah, 103 points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. They do have some decent defenders on this squad when they're healthy. That would be Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal. It's a couple of guys that can defend really well. And Jacques Vaughn, if you read anything about him, what he's been able to do in the past few years, he's a been a solid defensive coach. I, I think he's doing the right things here with Brooklyn. And if that offense, like, do I expect them to be the best defensive team in the NBA? No. But their market ratings at an all-time low here. They've covered five out of the seven games since Nash has been fired. And, and Kevin Durant's playing at an NBA t- uh, MVP-type level. I think the Nets are a team to start to kind of follow here as we move forward. They've been playing really good basketball, and I think Jacques Vaughn is a very good coach. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but during the bubble and that little 10-game run when he had the Nets – and it was basically a G League team. Mm-hmm. They were scratching and clawing and being yep. more comp- way more competitive than I thought. I thought he made an impression at that point to try and maybe get the job permanently, and now he does uh, after you know the you know the, the, the typical soap opera uh, in the NBA. So very interesting. That's I'd have never guessed that. Not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end as well. And yes, all the hype and all the conversation about Luca averaging thirty five, thirty six a game, attracting that public money. Yep. Uh, with the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Very good. Very good. Uh, Jonathan Von Tobel again with uh, maybe fade Dallas right now. Back the Nets. John, uh, JVT also 2-1 and one last week. Minnesota, Denver, and the over in Giants in Detroit. For Jonathan Von Tobel, I am Jimmy Ott on the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.